0: No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment, and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, the number one show for the invested sports fan. Ready? ready.
1: All right, here we go. From the ten, throwing end zone. Spectacular
2: catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown.
0: You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my
2: God. That's incredible.
0: <laughs> Big bank, small bank, I like to make money.
2: All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> <laughs> and we are underway.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Week 6 XFL Fantasy Flex, the X-Flex on the Action Network Podcast. I'm Matthew Friedman, the Editor-in-Chief of Fantasy Labs, part of the Action Network. This is actually the 200th episode we've done since reconfiguring everything and launching the Action Network Podcast in June. Thanks to everyone for listening. In January, we won the Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association Award for Best Betting Podcast or Radio Show. There are a lot of great podcasts and shows out there, and we want to thank you for listening to ours, and we know that we wouldn't win the FSGA award if not for the listeners, so thank you very much. Also, shout out to our producer, Matt Mitchell, aka Uncle Mitch, and now we are on to the next 200 shows. In this episode, we are breaking down the week six XFL lines. We're looking at the futures market, touching on our favorite DFS plays and highlighting our favorite bets. With me is Sean Corner, our Director of Predictive Analytics. Our guy Chris Raybon is out, but he will be back next week. Sean, let's jump into it. The first game we have on the slate, Houston Roughnecks at the New York Guardians. The Roughnecks right now, six and a half point favorites, a 47 point over under, although... If you are interested in the Roughnecks and that over that they tend to hit, you can find it at 46 and a half out there at a couple of books. So something to keep an eye on. Sean, where are you leaning?
2: So I, I had this one as Houston minus seven and a half. So I think there is some value there, which is a bit surprising because I feel like the past four weeks, I've been showing value against Houston's opponents. Um, it's just one of those things where everybody realizes they're the number one team in the league. So um, we're going to see their their lines inflated pretty much every week. But I think this week, um, I think you can get some value on them. Uh, New York's had a good run the past couple weeks, but I think it's going to be short-lived. The, the underlying data still isn't quite there for them. And I don't think they're a team that's really built to hang with Houston. So I think it's it's going to be a tough matchup for them to you know keep up with Houston or even come back. Luis Perez has had the benefit of Um, you know, solid defense past couple weeks and just playing with a lead. So I think this matchup could pose problems. If if this were NFL, I would say hurry up and get my six and a half, but really with XFL, uh, we don't really have that key number seven. So um, I I like them six and a half. I'd probably still bet them at seven, but like I said, I think Houston should be about seven and a half here. And I think we're just getting them on a week where the the market um, is liking the, the opponent a little bit too much. And when it comes to DFS, Taking PJ Walker, Cam Phillips, and Nick Hawley is just an automatic uh, three-man stack. If you do something like that, it's going to be super chalky. Um, It's pretty easy to be contrarian elsewhere. But when it comes to XFL, there really aren't many players that you should even spend up for. But those three are just so consistent week to week. There's almost no reason to fade them right now. So uh, I'm going to have way more lineups with them in it and just trying to get more contrarian with the other pieces. Maybe the running back, you can go contrarian. Or the other receiver take a tight end but I think just to have a solid core I think having those three players in a stack makes sense this week
1: what are your thoughts on Mobley because he was for me a lock in cash games last week of course he was very close to the the minimum price especially on on DraftKings last week now he's at 5,500 I think he's basically stolen Sammy Coates's job and we don't know for sure that Sammy Coates is even playing this week so if Mobley is the guy who's out there running as that other perimeter wide receiver in four wide receiver sets? I think he's pretty attractive at fifty five hundred.
2: Oh, absolutely. That that would be one way to kind of make this stack a little bit contrarian. Is just go uh, Walker Phillips immobile or Walker Holly immobly. But yeah, he uh, he played every single passing down last week, so yeah. that's huge. Um, and yeah, Sammy Coach was out, so that that was a huge part. But also, Khalil Lewis um, only played about 70% of uh, passing downs. Yeah. He was a bit banged up. So it's one of those things that's pretty volatile. We could see Mobley go back down to his, you know, 65% or so snap share. But in this offense, that's still plenty to hit value. But yeah, if, if Coates is out again, Mobley is going to be pretty much a free square again. And then you have to consider stacking four Houston players. It's, I mean, it seems so crazy. And you, you hate to be that chalky. But really, the way this league is shaping up, like you have to do that. So... Um, yeah I love Mobley as well especially if Coates is out again
1: this is maybe the first week where I didn't look at the board and immediately want to bet multiple games this was really the only one and it was of course you know the over the Roughnecks scoring the most points in the league you know allowing close to the most points in the league even though they have uh you know I think a, a a big play defense, they get lots of sacks, you know, get lots of interceptions, but they also allow some big plays. And opposing offenses just know that they're going to have to score points to try to keep up with the roughnecks. So I think they play a little more aggressively. And so, you know, 46 and a half, 47, I do like the over there. The, you know, the roughnecks are four and one to the over. And, you know, they're basically a, uh, you know, a Philip Nelson fumble at the goal line away, you know, a couple of yeah. weeks ago from being five and zero oh to the over. Uh, and so. Even though I don't really have much respect for the the Guardians and their offense and what they're able to do, I still think they're probably able to score enough points. And of course, I think the Roughnecks will be able to score enough points to get this game to the over. But that's really the the one bet I've made. And I think there's a bigger question about home-field advantage. And then now, this is going to be potentially complicated with the coronavirus and whether you know teams end up playing some games without uh, an audience there. But how... How many points right now, roughly, are you assigning to home field advantage? Because to me, that's a big distinguisher in a lot of the lines that I have versus the lines that I see in the market right now.
2: Yeah, so I personally have it around three. I think we need a bigger sample size to really amp it up. But yeah, there could be many different uh, reasons for that. You know, The thing with XFL is the coaches are able to talk to the players, every single player up until the ball is snapped. So I think that could have an impact if, if the crowd's loud, like we've seen in uh, St. Louis or Seattle, you know that that could have an impact if, if players are used to hearing exactly what they should do up before the you know up until the play snap. So there's things like that travel, you know these these organizations are still new, so it might not be as clean as the NFL traveling schedule or whatever. But yeah, there, there's something about XFL where it does seem like the home team does have a pretty significant advantage. I'm just not willing to make it more than you know an NFL. Uh, two and a half or three, quite yet. Uh, but yeah, this week with coronavirus, it could be interesting if we see some games with no fans. I'm I'm a bit worried about the the game in Seattle because uh, Seattle's been hit pretty hard by it. Um, I could if there were going to be a game that would potentially have uh, no fans, that would be the game. So I, I would um you know be factoring that in when you're making your uh, bets right now that, that that could potentially be a game where they're they're playing in front of zero people so we'll we'll see how much of an impact uh, fans are if if things like that happen uh, starting this week
1: all right, let's get to the next game on the slate. We have the St. Louis Battlehawks, three-point favorites at the Tampa Bay Vipers, and we see an over-under of 42 points. I said three points. You can find it at three. It's three and a half now uh, in some places I- I'm seeing in the market. Sean, where are you on that game?
2: Well, I, I have Tampa Bay as uh, just two-point underdogs at home, so I mean I'm, I'm probably showing a little bit of value taking him as a, you know field goal underdog but still these two teams man you know St. Louis on the road last week against DC totally flopped both these teams are pretty volatile it's been hard to peg them um, lately. As we remember, you know, at the beginning of the year, Tampa Bay had the highest season win total and St. Louis was one of the lowest. So I feel like after five weeks, we've we've just accepted that Tampa Bay is one of the worst teams and St. Louis is one of the best. But last week, you know, we saw it mix up a little bit and I'm just going to stay away from this spread. Again, I think both teams are a little too volatile for me to bet on this, but I do think there is value on the under. Um, I have it closer to like 40 um, for this game and it's at 42, which is you know, a pretty key number when it comes to football totals. But I, I can see both teams. Both teams are pretty strong um, in terms of the running game, and I think both teams, if it's close, which it should be, are going to lean towards the run, and it's just going to be more of a ball control possession type game. And you know, these teams, um, you know, they we saw them pick up the pace when they played a team like Houston or whatever. But these teams both like to play for you know lower scoring environment, run heavy. Um, type of football. So I think that that combined, both teams will be kind of playing towards the under here. So I, I like the under 42. Yeah, and for DFS, just again, Reese Horn and Jalen Tolliver, those guys are the guys I've been kind of targeting as mid-priced wide receivers. Last week, they were about $1,000 cheaper and both went for 90 yards and a touchdown. So again, just when it comes to these three receivers on Tampa Bay, take your pick of one of them every week. One of them will probably have a good game. Um, I'm not saying to play both, but they, they still present decent value, even though they're about 1 to 1.5K more expensive than last week.
1: Yeah, uh Jalen Tolliver uh, you know, was was definitely the guy uh last week that uh a lot of people leaned on in, in cash games. I'm looking, you know, you mentioned that these teams do like to, to play a little bit faster, uh, but they do lean on the run. It's interesting that, you know, for them, lots of uh lots of plays per game don't necessarily translate into lots of points per game. Uh but these are the teams uh, you know, at this point in the season who have the most plays per game. In the league. So, you know, going against each other, we could still see a lot of offensive plays per game and still not hit the over. Right. From the DFS perspective for St. Louis, is there anyone who stands out to you? Uh, I, I know Jordan Tamu, you know, quarterback, was kind of getting some love earlier in the season because he does have that rushing ability. He hasn't played quite up to his potential in recent weeks. Any thoughts on the
2: guys there for St. Louis? I'm not really having any St. Louis players pop up. Uh, LaDamian Washington is a guy that there, there's always upside there, but there's just better value elsewhere. Um, and especially at quarterback, it's Walker all the way. And if you want to go for a higher upside rushing QB right now, it's BJ Daniels. Yeah. Um, so that's why I, I'm not really getting much TAMU right now. But yeah, he, he was definitely the stud for the first you know five weeks. But this week, I'm probably not going to have any shares.
1: Yeah, it's interesting in that I'm still, you know, for the season, relatively optimistic on the Battle Hawks. But uh, for DFS, I'm still not really seeing anything that I actually uh, want to invest in. Thoughts on Taylor Cornelius and what we've seen out of him recently? I mean, I don't think you would really want to go to him uh, for DFS, at least in cash, maybe for tournaments, he could be an option. But it seems as if he's at least helped to stabilize the quarterback position there for Tampa Bay over the past couple of weeks.
2: Yeah, I mean, I feel like uh, this past year, especially at the NFL, I'm always like a couple of weeks too early. So I had Cornelius like week three or four when he was 0.2%. Yeah. I did nothing. And now he's just going off. I think it's really easy to keep him in a starting quarterback when they're winning. But you know, after that, that shootout loss against LA, you know, they have flowers. I was at the game and you know, there was still chance the entire game put in flowers and Aaron Murray's healthy. So there, there's that risk that he could get pulled in-game still. But yeah, he's looked good. It's it's one of those things where, especially at XFL, when you have these volatile QB situations, we don't know if he's going to make it through the entire game. Um, so I'd be a little bit cautious. I would only play him in tournaments, obviously. I, I think ultimately he's going to be a little bit over-owned um, after his output last week. I think the time it take him was a few weeks ago when he was 1% and hope he would have a game like this, but it just didn't work out that way.
1: Well, on the topic of volatile quarterback situations. Let's get to this next game here. We have the Dallas Renegades at the D.C. Defenders, the Defenders, four and a half point favorites, a 35 point over under. I mean, easily the lowest mark on the slate. And uh, you can kind of see why. You know, the Dallas Renegades without Landry Jones, they have Philip Nelson as their backup quarterback who is now starting the team uh, in two full games with Nelson at quarterback, is yet to score an offensive touchdown. On the other side, you have the D.C. defenders. It sure looks like Tyree Jackson is the guy that they're going to go with at uh, quarterback. Cardell Jones was benched last week after throwing just two Pass attempts, one of which was, you know, ingloriously intercepted. And so the DC defenders, it looks like they're going to go with Tyree Jackson. They had a really run heavy approach with him at quarterback. It seems like that is probably what they would do. So, two teams, it looks like they're probably going to be starting, you know, backup caliber quarterbacks. The Renegades, our team that has driven totals to the under in their five games. And the D.C. defenders really don't look like a team that can score a
2: lot of points right now. Where are you on this game? The past two weeks, the only bets I've lost uh, were the two bets I made on Dallas. So I'm probably going to make that three weeks in a row. You guys stick with it. Um, I'm showing value on them again. I think there should be a field goal. D.C. should be minus three here. Again, you mentioned it's It's going to be a lower scoring game. So any points you can get. Uh, matter so I think taking Dallas four and a half makes sense here and like you mentioned Nelson has uh, yet to lead an offensive touchdown drive you mentioned earlier that that game that uh, against Houston where he he led the final drive after Landry Jones went down um, it really wasn't his fault they didn't score he uh, I forgot who he threw it to it was either Nagel or somebody uh, but they really should have scored so I'm going to give him some credit on that one. But again, this game is pretty hard to peg. DC has been so volatile the past few weeks. I'm just willing to take the points here. I I don't even know if it was warranted to bench Cardell. That interception, um, it was third and long and he just chucked it deep. It was essentially a punt. Um, And then they didn't ask Tyree Jackson to do much. He he threw for 39 yards the rest of the game. So if Tyree Jackson is starting, it's going to make the under look more enticing. But if, if Jones starts, I might lean towards the over. I really don't know what they're going to do right now. And again, if, if you don't know who your starting quarterback is, that's not a good sign. So I, I think Dallas, hopefully they'll be a little bit more aggressive with their play calling. I thought that had a lot to do with uh, Nelson's struggles last week. So uh, I'll take Dallas plus four and a half here and just hope for the best. But uh, when, it, when it comes to DFS, I think the thing to do is target DC's running backs, either Presley or Pumphrey. They are going to be extremely run-heavy this week. Uh, if Tyree Jackson's QB, they're not going to throw much. If Cardell's starting, they probably want to be a run-heavy team to prevent potential turnovers. So I think just taking either one of those guys in any of your lineups is a good sign. You know, they, they split their work fairly evenly, but any one of those guys can go off. They, they seem to trade off being the pass-catching back. So again, if I were going to make 20 lineups, I'd probably have six with Presley, six with Pumphrey, and one of them with both. Um so that's that's probably how I'm going to approach this this game. I don't know if I can trust uh
1: trust the Renegades. And, and you mentioned there the play calling last week. And to your point, it was a situation where Hal Mummy, the offensive coordinator who's usually on the sideline calling plays, he was up in the booth and the the team cited that as something that kind of threw them off and now he's not even calling plays anymore. They've given play calling duties to uh I I can't remember his last name, but like Jeff Jusick or or something like that. But the guy who used to be the head coach at Boston College, who now uh, was the quarterback coach, he is now the offensive coordinator. And so it's, you know, it's a system that it's like, I don't know if he is the best guy to be calling how mummies air raid. (laughs) Uh, So I'm just even more pessimistic about what's happening with this offense, given that it's a new play caller. A new quarterback, and they really haven't, you know, looked all that great to begin with. and now they're on the road.
2: Do we know why Mummy was in the booth? Did it have anything to do with just getting lit up on the sideline? The oh, yes, it was. It was the leg yeah, injury. That's yeah, what I thought. Okay. He,
1: he broke his leg. Yeah, uh, in in the game when there was a collision on the sideline, and so he was on the sideline for the rest of week four. But for week five, he had to move up to the
2: right. booth. So, Interesting, yeah. So, uh, I mean, again, I don't <laughs> love Dallas here. It's more of just taking. Both teams are in bad shape, so just taking the four and a half is my theory. But yeah, you're right. I, I, I'm not in love with Dallas this week. I just think taking the points in a low scoring game is usually a winning play. Yeah i I get it. You're You're right, and I mean you're
1: You're sharper at, at this than I am. It's just uh, I, I think I'm probably going to stay away. From, from the side, and I'll probably take the total. I'll probably go yeah. under where we have it here. I mean, 35, it's a low number, but, I mean, let's be honest, not many points are scored in a lot of these games, so it's not as if, like, it's an egregiously low number anyway. So I will probably be looking there. The last game we have on the slate, we have the Wildcats at the Seattle the Seattle Dragons, and uh, we talked about this game already a little bit with the, uh, the potential home-field situation going on in Seattle. The Wildcats, two-and-a-half-point favorites, a 45.5 over under. Sean, where are you on this game?
2: I was at the game last week with L.A., that crazy comeback win against Tampa Bay. i got to say I loved it. Um, I highly recommend going to an XFL game um, if you live in a, a city that has a team. But, um, yeah, I think that shootout game is definitely impacting the total here. So I don't really have an advantage on the side. Like I said, we're going to have to see if this is a game that's impacted where they, they say you know fans are not allowed to go. So I'm going to hold off on the side here. But I love the under here due to the market overreaction to that 75 point combined point game by LA and Seattle is coming off a game where they played um, Houston and we've actually seen the market overreact to all, all teams that just face Houston. Again, we already know that Houston um, is a, you know, a a team where the the over environment is significantly boosted. Um, So the week after a team plays Houston, the unders hit three um, out of four times. So, um, I think that's factoring into the, the line being a little bit too high here. Um, I have it being closer to 43. Um, and again, this is a situation where I think both teams are, are pretty good when it in terms of running the ball if the game's close. So we'll see both teams kind of stick with the run a bit while the game is tight, which I think it will be. So uh, I, I love that aspect of it. And again, all the underlying data from last week tells me that both games were a bit higher scoring than... Um, they normally would with the typical offensive output. I think turnovers had a large part to do with the uh, LA um, shootout. Um, uh, Same with Houston, Seattle. So I think this game, there's a lot of factors just flashing red on the under here for me. That's why this is probably my best play of the week. Um, I'm probably going to end up max betting it when it goes up to, I would say it's going to go up to about 46 and a half. I could see the market boosting it up that much.
1: Well, that's uh, that's good to know, because uh, maybe maybe wait on it a little bit, even though yeah, like was, was don't bet yeah, it.
2: Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, I like the under 45, and then this morning, it's up to 45.5. I really do think the market is going to push this up. And when you're talking about key numbers for totals, anything around 45, 46 is key. So you just wait for it to go up, which I think this will do. So at the end of the week, hopefully get it around 46.5 or 47.
1: We got two quarterbacks in this game that I like uh, a decent amount for uh, XFL quarterbacks at least. Josh Johnson seems to be getting you know a little bit better each week, uh, and you know really lit it up last week in, in that home game uh, in, in that shootout victory. And then BJ Daniels coming in in the second half of week four, uh, you know, kind of you know lit a fire under the offense a little bit. And then uh, in week five, you know, just kind of the lock cash game plays the, the cheap the cheap quarterback on the slate and he has that rushing ability and we saw it with the two rushing touchdowns. I mean, I like both of those guys any way that
2: you are leaning for DFS. Yeah. I love BJ Daniels. I, I think, like I said earlier, if if you want to not take PJ Walker in a lineup, you can go with BJ Daniels um, when it comes to Josh Johnson though. I think, yeah, we're seeing, I mentioned it last week. He still hasn't been a hundred percent. And I think once he gets that rushing ability, we know he has, Um, He's only going to get better in in real life and in DFS. And we saw that last week. He did um, look a lot more nimble um, last week. So I think he's only going to get better. Um, Nelson Spruce is likely out again. Is that right? That's my understanding. It seems like he's going to be out for a while. Yeah, I mean, that's unfortunate because like I said, if, if he and McBride are in the lineup at the same time, that's huge for a guy like Johnson. So while I don't like Josh Johnson by himself this week in terms of Dollar value, I do think it does make sense to make some LA stacks of Johnson with like McBride, Smallwood, and Blacknell. Um, you know, rotating in and out two of those wide receivers. Um, all three of those wide receivers are worth their price right now. You know, uh, Smallwood um, had a big play, and Blacknell had a big play, and they they're on the field. Let me see if I could find the uh, snaps, but they're on the field roughly. You know, eighty percent of the the dropback. So. Um, They're the main three receivers right now. So yeah, if Josh Johnson um, is getting better, those guys will benefit. So that's why um, I think I probably won't take teams where I just have Josh Johnson. It's going to be part of a three man stack for LA's passing game this week.
1: Uh, Last week, I thought Cam Phillips was a priority in cash games and the same with Trey McBride. Do you think McBride is a priority this week? You know, he didn't have quite the game last week, but, uh, you know, he was injured for part of it, came back, got the touchdown. What are your thoughts on McBride in particular in cash?
2: He's always a good player in cash, um, but his price is up there now. I think a guy like Holly is, you know, I, I have Holly projected for just like one point less and he's almost five K cheaper. So I think it it makes sense to probably take a guy like Cam Phillips. I think Cam Phillips is the guy that you spend up on in cash. And then these seven K guys are actually more valuable per dollar than McBride. So I wouldn't say McBride's a must play in cash this week especially off the shootout. I think people will probably, you know, a little bit too high on McBride, but yeah, I think for cash, uh, I wouldn't say he's a free square. Like he has been the past few weeks. I know I keep saying he's a free square, but um, this week, given the fact that I do like the under a bit and he's a bit pricey, I don't think he's a, a free square.
1: All right. Let's look at the futures market, the futures that we like the most right now. I want to get your thoughts on it. Houston Roughnecks plus 170 Battle Hawks plus 380 the dc defenders plus 470 the dallas renegades seven and a half to one guardians seven and a half to one the wildcats nine to one and the dragons and vipers both 26 to one do you see anything on the market right now that you like
2: uh not really again that that week we took st louis at 10 to one was probably the best play of the year and right now it's you really have to make a case for a team other than houston and I don't know if I could do that right now. There's a lot of teams that are that are going to be viable for um, you know making the playoffs. Again, I think a team like LA right now at nine to one. Could offer some value. That's one of those things where Nelson Spruce. It depends when he's going to return. But like I said, Josh Johnson it looks like he's just now 100. percent So that's going to be um, good for them down the road. But again, at nine to one, it's hard to bite because I do think it's it's likely Houston, St. Louis for the you know the top two spots, and the market has it priced up pretty well. So I'm just not seeing the value that we saw in say week three or four.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. If I had to take one, it would be the Wildcats because I, I do think that they have a pretty good chance of making the playoffs out of the West. And then at that point, you just have to win two games. And, you know, they, they would have a chance of doing it. But, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's Wildcats or stay away from me. Uh, all right, favorite bet of the week out of the week six lines, the one that you
2: like the most, what is it? So I mentioned earlier, but the uh, L.A., Seattle under – Right now it's 45 and a half, but I guarantee it's going to end up being you know closer to 46, 47. It's just one of those things where my model, I look at what the expected score should have been for each game, just based on the offensive output and trying to factor out things like turnovers, you know, lucky explosive plays, and just both the LA and Seattle Houston game were just flashing red lights for me that the market will probably overreact to the over here. So and, and my model itself had this game closer to 43. So, again, I think this is a game where we're going to see both teams lean towards the run, and it should be a closer game, and both teams will want to play you know, a lower-scoring-style football game here. So I, I just love the under here.
1: All right, so uh, I'm looking in the Action Network app, where, of course, you can track your XFL bets. The under for Dallas, D.C., the total there opened at 36. It's been bet down to 35 at most books. It is available at 35 and a half at FanDuel, and uh, that's where I'm going to grab it. Taking taking the under there, two you know lower scoring teams, and we've got a backup quarterback situation and backup offensive coordinator situation. Just uh, I'm with you there on the under that uh, you've called for uh, L.A. Seattle. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Action Network Podcast. You can follow Sean and me in the Action Network app at the underscore odds maker and Matt F the Oracle. Use the app to get real-time odds and track your bets for free. Check out the rest of our episodes this week. Please subscribe to and rate and review the show on Apple radio.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget, you can listen and download on Spotify. See you again next episode.
2: Finish talking.